Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com. Calling in live this week from Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We have got yet another fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, calling in from Richmond, Indiana. Hopefully he ah, there he is. Hello, Jack. Hello. Finally found today? you. We are yes. good. And how are you? Great. Ready for another great show. Another great guest. Good. Well, I will let you go ahead and tell everybody about our guest today. We have Cindy Bidar. Bidar, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Is that right, Cindy? I think you did. Okay. Uh, Cindy is an online business uh, manager with a passion for Internet technology. She's been solving tech problems for her clients and helping build online businesses since 2010. She enjoys digging in behind the scenes to integrate software, streamline and automate business processes, and improve the customer experience. If you want to learn more about Cindy and all the amazing work that she does, you can go to digitalbusinessmanagers.com. Cindy, welcome. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, perfectly. Thanks. Great. How are you? I had to drop off the call. I'm great. I had to drop off the call for a minute, so I was, was had to make sure that you guys could could connect with me okay. So Absolutely. thanks for the intro. You sound loud and that was clear, awesome. Cindy. Great. Great. Yeah, so that was your formal introduction. What do you want people to know about you before we get started? What have you been working on or any anything that you want people to know? Well, you know, I do a whole lot of client work, so that's pretty much what I work on day in and day out. Um, and, and that's really what I enjoy working on. I really enjoy solving problems for my clients and figuring out how they can get from point A to point B without, you know, having to get their hands dirty with all the techie stuff. So that's how I spend awesome. my days, and that's really what I what I truly enjoy. So probably this ranges from just about anything to anything else, right? Traffic stuff or website stuff, or do you have a limit on what you'll do? Um, I don't really have a limit. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I tend to draw the line at content creation. I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not thrilled with that. In fact, I just gave up um, a few of my writing clients because I'm, I just don't love it. Um, but as far as the back-end stuff, you know, we do a lot with um, social media. We do a lot with shopping carts and websites and membership sites. And anything that has to do with online marketing, basically, is, is in our wheelhouse. So what kinds of clients do you usually work with? Is it one size fits all, or do you prefer a certain kind of client to do that kind of work? I really prefer the the internet marketer type. 
We do a little bit of work with kind of offline businesses as well and with coaches and consultants and um, authors, but my my heart is with the Internet marketer, the person who um, runs a membership site or sells information products online. That sort of business is really what I feel I know the best and where I can be of the, the biggest help to someone. So, so that's not to say that those skills are not transferable because obviously Internet marketing is Internet marketing, whether you're, you know, a local brick-and-mortar business who wants to sell stuff online or you're, you know, a, a private label rights producer selling just digital goods online. It's all marketing and it's all online and it all works pretty much the same. So those skills mm-hmm. are definitely transferable. But my my true heart is with the internet marketer. Yeah, and I hear I I recognize some people here that you worked with, uh, or are working with. So that's pretty cool. So you yeah, have I, the... I met Gina at uh, or I I didn't meet her, but I saw her speak at uh, a, a recent conference that we were both at, uh, the Novice to Advanced Marketing System. At NAMS, right? Okay, cool. Yep. So you guys so, go back at least to that, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Cindy, this is Jan. Hi, Jan. And one of the things that I thought you would be really qualified to answer is that, you know, Jack and Gene have been doing marketing online for years. And, uh, you know, lots of the people that you work with have been doing it. But there are many, many people that are just getting in to this realm or, you know, at this point there's so many options for people. And I was wondering, what are the kinds of programs and systems that you're seeing now that are really effective for people that might be different than they were like five or six or ten years ago? And sort of, you know, what do you see that's been coming up that's been a real, uh, you know, problem solver for people? Well, I'll tell you what, um, in terms of what has changed in the past several years, or, or I guess what, is, what has stayed the same, content marketing is still huge. Email marketing is still huge, despite what anybody might say about email being dead. It is absolutely not the case. Email marketing is still probably the number one way to make sales, in, in my experience. Um, what's new, I love podcasting and video for uh, content creation and content marketing. I think you really can't beat the the combination of a blog and a podcast and maybe some video blogs as well. And the tools that are available today make it so much easier than it used to be. You know, you you can shoot a video on your iPhone and have it up on YouTube in minutes. I mean, it's just that easy. And it used to take a whole video studio to do that. So the, the the online marketing world and the traffic generation world is really open to absolutely anybody these days. I mean, anybody with even a tiny little budget can get started and start making money quickly. Well, you know, one of the problems is talk- all of the. Well, I was just getting ready to just a real quick one. Is I think one of the bigger problems today is there's too many choices. We didn't have right. this many choices before, and it's. 
it's overwhelming people, I think. It's overwhelming us, and we're old pros. <laughs> it's like, well, where do we know, go today, and what do we do? How do you do the decision-making process when you're helping somebody understand all of their options, but you certainly have to choose and focus and go deep rather than, than shallow? Or maybe you don't. Exactly. What's your philosophy on that? No, you yeah, are absolutely right. You you do have – there are lots of choices, and that is – it's actually a big part of what I do um, kind of on the consulting end is I help people make those choices, you know, because they'll come to me and they'll say, okay, I have this idea for, you know, my business and this is what I want to do, but, you know, should I use AWeber or Constant Contact or can I use MailChimp and will it integrate with my shopping cart and what if I choose this other shopping cart and will, how will my affiliate program work and, you know, they have all of these questions. And the issue really isn't can we do those things, but what's the most efficient way to do it? And that's where my experience, you know, kind of comes in and, and can help people make those decisions because in in working with all of my clients and in studying all of these different systems, I can help them lay out a plan that will work most efficiently and that it saves them, you know, the hours and hours and hours of research trying to decide whether one shopping cart or Infusionsoft is a better choice. So you're right. Yeah. There, there are, you know, there are an overwhelming amount of options, and sometimes you just need somebody to help you narrow it down to something that's more manageable. Right, and that and you were just talking about the gears and levers behind the scenes that you didn't even touch on uh, the traffic stuff. Like, <laughs> where do you go with your podcast once you have it up? And you know, what are the best uh, places to get? What are the channels that you use? All of those things would be the next logical questions that they would start to have after you've got them sorted out with the technology, right? Right. Once once the foundation is is put into place, then you then you kind of move on to okay, now what? Now what are we going to do? Where, where's the traffic going to come from? As you said, how are we going to, how are, how are we going to get people to the site? How are we going to get people to my sales page? And how are we going to maintain that? What's the, what's the best method of doing that? Yeah, Jan, you had another question. Yeah, um, actually, it ties into what we've been talking about because Jack, you mentioned, you know. Um, a few years ago, you didn't have a million choices on what webinar program you were going to use or autoresponder or shopping cart or membership or de delivering classes and any number, and not to mention social posting and auto posting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now that the technology all uh, is so much more available, I guess my question is, if someone comes to you and they say, okay, I, I'm a consultant or I'm a coach because Jack and Gina have a, a new master class that's coming up soon about that. And Jack, I'll let you say something about that in a second. What I was thinking is you've got somebody like that that says, okay, I want to build a business and have digital products and bring in clients. What do you generally recommend to them initially? Because, of course, they're going to want to grow into something. But, you know, what have you found has been really effective for the people you work with? Because you actually put all this stuff together and make it play, play nice. Yeah, and that is so true. You're I'm seeing, the one that puts all the stuff together. And you're seeing what is actually working for these people, not just the pretty vision on the outside like the website looks good, but you're seeing they're making money because they're continuing to 
expand and grow. So what do you see is being really effective for people right now like that? Really effective for people right now, um, webinars. Mm-hmm. Free webinars as a lead generation is really, really rocking and rolling um, for pretty much anybody. And you can put together, you know, a webinar with free tools, essentially. I mean, you could do a Google Hangout um, and just get on the air and, and, and get people's uh, opt-ins for the, you know, their email address in exchange for the link and build a mailing list. And then you have people that you can promote, you know, your your products and services to forevermore just from, you know, hosting that one live webinar. So that's really working very well for people. Um, in terms of technology, one of my favorites is probably lead pages just because it's so easy to put together a squeeze page that, that really converts well. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have trouble with that. And um, lead pages is also really easy for putting together a funnel, you know, with connecting your email autoresponder and connecting your your webinar system and putting all the thank you pages and download pages and all of that stuff all in one place. Lead pages makes it really easy to do that. So it's very newbie friendly. The price tag is not so newbie friendly, but um, if you get in there and, and make it work, then, then you know, you can quickly recoup that, that cost. In terms of um, higher end stuff, my favorite, absolute favorite tool right now is Infusionsoft. And that is, you know, a shot, it's an all-in-one system, shopping cart, um, email autoresponders, everything right there in, in one place, which is part of the reason why I like it. But it's just so powerful. So, you know, you have so much flexibility with what you can do with it that it's, it's just an amazing tool. But, again, it doesn't have a newbie price tag. So, you know, that's kind of a higher-end, more established business system than for the new person just coming online today. No, right. I know That's I would have somebody. somebody running that for us because exactly. we used to have we had Infusionsoft when it was Confusionsoft is how we called. It. I'm sure that it has to have gotten better over the years, but oh, it is, uh, we it were is one of the first people. Orders of magnitude better than it used to be. Okay, good. I think I think yeah. I would still want to have someone run it for me. The yeah. shock of just being in that system, uh, if we were in it, uh, would just be remind me of those days. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is, it was like walking into Home Depot, and all you needed was a screwdriver, you know, yeah. and like, holy cow, your voice would just ring out in the cavernous emptiness of it, and the largesse, and the. <laughs> So yeah. I'm glad to hear that they've and, gotten it a little bit better And they didn't call a screwdriver a screwdriver. They would call it something else and, and put it in the right. aisle with the blenders. <laughs> the driver of screws, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. No, it's it's greatly improved um, since those days, which is good for them um, because yeah. I, I don't think they'd have seen the growth that they have if, if it had remained confusion softer. It was so, so aptly named back then. <laughs> Dan, I think we cut you off there a little bit. Do you have a question? Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I was kind of wondering because one of the things that I've been seeing is, you know, the integration between, you know, people wanting to use social media, webinars. You know, Jack and Gina talk a lot about creating content and sharing it <laughs> so that your people can experience you and get to know who you are. And I was wondering um, – 
if you have found that any of the systems you're working at with or any of the people that you're working for are using these in unique ways. You know, you had mentioned you can just take a video now and have it up on Facebook in a heartbeat. And I know I just came across a plug-in <coughs> that will let you have a clickable link of a picture on Facebook and different stuff like that. Have you come across anything that's just been new and unusual that seemed fun? You know, the newest effective? thing that I want to... The newest thing that I want to get in and play around with is is YouTube cards, where you can put you know actual uh-huh. clickable graphics up on on a YouTube video. I think that is just the coolest thing. And YouTube has kind of relaxed their standards a bit because it used to be with the old annotation system you could only link out to your own website. Now you can link out to anywhere in this nice clickable graphic that just appears on your YouTube video. And I think that's just so cool and has so much potential for anybody that's using video marketing in any, in any way at all. So I, that's one thing that I really want to get in there and play around with. It's relatively new. I've watched a couple of webinars about it and it's not something I've done yet, but it is on my list. Yeah, it's really powerful to be able to also create like a series where uh, you can get people to go through a chain, you know, link of videos or a chain of actions because that's what YouTube naturally kind of wants you to do anyways. They want to keep people there watching videos. So they've made it super easy for you to create a series. So if you can get someone in on a two-minute video and then get them to see another one and another one and another one, it's awesome. It can be very effective. And how much more powerful is that than just creating one long, hour-long video that people have to wade through? Absolutely. You can chunk it up into two-minute or three-minute little videos that kind of lead naturally into one another you're you're going to engage them a, a lot more than if you ask them to sit down and watch an hour-long video. Yeah. Yeah, that's always been my problem with webinars is I really, really want to get on the next webinar that I have signed up for uh, with Jonathan Mizell because he's just one of the original. He's just one of the originals. <laughs> and uh, he has, I haven't seen him do a web, but it's a webinar, man, and I just the, chunking out the time for that. Uh, sometimes I feel like, and I don't know how many people are like me, but I feel like I wish it wasn't a webinar. I mean, when I see it, it's like, God, I know this is going to be a webinar, and it sounds so cool. I wish I could just get the information in some other way. And we had a pretty good discussion about that yesterday on a Directions University call uh, with with our students about, um, and it kind of gave me an idea, because uh, I have a, a firm that does content marketing and things, and I think a lot of people think that content marketing is, or when you sign up with somebody who does content marketing, that they're just going to be focused on, and primarily they are, which is, I think is a big mistake, focused on brand new content. And if you're working with a coach or a consultant or somebody who's got a mountain of information already in the can, and they're dealing with primarily evergreen stuff, topics, ideas, whatever it is that they're teaching and helping people with, then it would be the height of your responsibility to start with, all right, we're going to come in here and make you a whole bunch of new content. When they're sitting there on a mountain of it already, that has an only, has usually when you, when you get to them, and you can tell me if this is true in your experience, but 
when you get to them, they have only done the first round of any promotion on any of their content, or the vast majority of it at least. And they didn't. They made the mistake of thinking, all right, well, we promoted that. We got it out to social one time, all of our social channels, and we got it out to our email list one time, and we moved on and created more content. And that content got promoted in the same way, one round of promotion, and that was it. And only in the, the, the kind of content or in the medium that we had it in. So if it was a webinar, it was a webinar recording with video. They didn't strip out the audio and put it anywhere else, and they didn't chunk up anything, certainly, so I think one of the interesting things that people are coming around and realizing when you, you're dealing with a client that does generate that kind of content is just starting with chunking up their stuff and putting it in front of people in the ways they like to consume it. Because like I said before, I don't necessarily want to listen to the whole webinar. You know, introductions take 15, 20 minutes and all of that junk, and I, you know, I just want to get the bites, the bits. And so if that is the case. And if people really want me to engage with them, um, they're not getting me with just a webinar, a giant two-hour webinar. Uh, you know. But if they could drag me into it, if I heard a snippet somewhere, that really sounded good, and I now need to know more. All right, well, I'm going to go back to the full webinar. But a lot of people, I don't see them doing that. Are you uh, doing anything like that, seeing people do more of that, or is it still a problem for most people? I think that, um, and that's an excellent, excellent point, because I, like you, I don't want to sit through a webinar. I get bored. I get distracted. I'm, I'm watching Facebook instead of listening to the webinar. I don't, you know, not paying attention. And, and, you know, part of that is me, but part of that is, as a society, we just have a much shorter attention span these days. Mm-hmm. So you bring up a you bring up a really excellent point, and I am seeing people repurpose their content more. Because, let's face it, it's a lot less work to repurpose content than it is to create new content. I mean, who, you know, do you want to spend an hour or an hour and a half writing a new blog post, or do you want to take a piece of that ebook that you wrote last year and publish that as a blog post? I mean, which one's easier? Especially if you have a virtual right. assistant who can go through your old content and find these, these chunks and these, you know, gold nuggets. To, to repurpose and republish elsewhere. Because you're absolutely right. People, you know, to take a blog post as an example, they, they write a blog post and they post it on social media and they email about it and then it's gone, buried, never to be seen again. Usually yeah, after a complaint a that it really didn't do as well as they wanted it to do, you know, which yeah, is kind exactly. of a self-fulfilling prophecy because they only went one round with it. And so it was only the people... I think one of the things that marketers need to pay more attention to is the context. When they put something out, what time of day is it for your main audience? What what are they doing usually at that time of day? And and it's only going to be the ones who are checking in. If it's social media, it's going to fly right on by, or it's going to be algorithmically removed from their view in the first place for one reason or another. And if you re-engage them later and you were to repost that uh, down the road six weeks, two weeks, a few days, then that would be the only time and the first time that they saw it. And the first time just never came up on their radar. So I think a lot of people are 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 treating the web like it's just a you know, everybody's just there waiting for them and all they have to do is reach out and, and that's not even true of email anymore. You know, that that you have to pay attention to the context and the timing of practically everything. And usually 
you got to go three or four times with a piece of content. We talk about parking and camping on a piece of content until it has been done properly. And just, you know, slow down on creating new stuff until your your current stuff has really gotten a chance to get out there to a significant piece of your market at the very least. And then that promotion, it's really nice because that promotion is actually what helps it get into search which is the only evergreen in perpetuity way of discovering something uh, down the road, except for Pinterest. That nothing else really has a really good way to surface old content. It's it's gone on Facebook in minutes. It's gone on Google Plus in minutes. You know, and and Pinterest is kind of interesting because it does. You know, you can pull up stuff that's been done in 2015 right alongside stuff that was done in 2013. It's really weird and neat that way, but that was the that's the only case where your old stuff is uh, most assuredly going to get picked up and seen by other people most frequently as just but a matter of comment. I don't have a question. <laughs> I, I think that's something that um, that most people don't realize or don't understand because they make the mistake of thinking, well, I already posted this. Everybody's seen it. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to. I don't want to be accused of spamming by posting my blog link more than one time. When in reality, on Facebook, about 10% of your your fans or followers have seen it, and on Twitter, mm -hmm. it's probably even less because Twitter goes by at the speed of sound, and mm -hmm. you know once once a Twitter update is passed, it is gone forever. So, and like you said, even with email, I mean, what percentage of email opens do you get? I have a pretty solid percentage of email opens on my list. I get about 35% open rate. But even 35%, there's 65% of the people that don't read my email. So 65% yeah. of my mailing list have not seen that blog update. So why not when we when you know, send it out again to that 65%? And I do. I have clients that do that, and they do it with really great results. When David Perdue was on not too long ago, he talked about that, and uh, and we had some discussions with some of our listeners and students after they'd heard it, and they were like, "Wow, that's really smart." You know, the the, the ability you can do it on Aweber, and I'm sure you can do it in Infusionsoft. You and and others, uh, most assuredly, probably as a premium service, uh, but you can mail people who don't open, and then yeah. leave the rest of the list out. Just just leave out the ones who opened it. And David talked about mailing his list three times a day. And we're like, what? You don't mail your list three times a day? That's impossible. He's like, well, I mail to everybody, and then I mail to everybody that didn't open it. And then the third one, I mail to everybody else who didn't open the first or the second one. And we're like, oh, you're not actually mailing three times to your list and killing your list. So, you know, that was a, that was a really good tag. Do you do that as a practice for most of your clients or any of your clients? I do that um, if they request it. It is not something, and it should be something that I offer. You know, now that I now that I think about it, um, I do have, and David's one of them. I do have several clients who, who do this, on a regular basis. Um, but it definitely is something that, that should be considered by everyone, because like I said, your open rates are, you know, open rates are typically twenty, twenty-five, thirty percent. So you're missing a large yeah. portion of your audience by not doing that. Yeah. And it takes, you know, what does it take to send an email again, 20 seconds? Right, right. And a lot of it, too, is 
you know, I'm really glad y'all are talking about the multiple posting of the same types of content. You know, it's one of the things I like about podcasts is that people will tend to go back and listen to audios, short audios in the past. You know, Scott Patton told me he, you know, this guy's been podcasting, what, eight or nine years? He showed me his stats where he has posts from like seven years ago that still get 200 views a month. Listen. Nice. And so what he said is, when have you ever had a blog post that got 200 people visiting it? And uh, it, it, some of it is the, the medium and also about thinking about your audience and you're really not serving them by not giving them multiple chances to engage with you. You know, everybody has the idea that they're bugging their people, but in reality you're really not serving them because everybody's just inundated with stuff all the time. And our filter system is now sort of like throw out everything I don't need at this moment. So if you don't offer it to them in different ways, it may not reach them when they're at the place where they want to and are ready to engage with it. Exactly. And and like Jack said a, a few minutes ago about the webinar, you know, this is a perfect example. I won't sit and watch a webinar. I will listen to a podcast mm-hmm. because I can do that while I'm doing other things. Or I will read a transcript because I can skim through it and read the parts that are of importance to me. So... You know, one thing that I would I would encourage anybody who creates any content to do is to create that content in multiple formats. Have your podcast transcribed. Have your webinars transcribed. Chunk up your webinars into, you know, little bite-sized pieces and put them on YouTube. Um, put them on your blog. Take your blog post and chunk it up into social media updates so that there's lots of different ways for people to consume your content because not everyone wants to watch a video. And by that same token, not everyone wants to read a blog post. My husband will not read a blog post to save his life, but he'll watch a video. I don't want to watch a video. I want to read it because I can scan through it and pick out the parts that are important to me. So it's important, you know, not only to repurpose your content and make sure it gets seen, but to repurpose it in different formats so that it appeals to a wider audience. Yes, right. and I mean, also it does give a, you that chance. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and with people being around at certain times and how everybody's consuming stuff, it does seem like written stuff is falling greatly out of favor, um, except for you know super diehards, which would be a really small percentage of the people that you need to reach that would, would like that. So you, I think bloggers have dealt with that and found that out over the last several years and uh, because everybody started blogging and everybody's got written content, and now the web is just loaded down with it, and, and what sticks out? A video or an audio. The other thing to think about is, is, is a good example, I think, is um, cars are now being sold with the ability to, with MP3, with, with all of it, you know, syncing up to your phone, everything else, and with their own uh, service, their own connection to the web, and you can't watch videos uh, in a car yet. I don't. I don't know how anybody's ever going to figure that out, or whether we should. Probably a really bad idea. And so, audio is the thing. If you're going to, and you should be on those channels uh, if you want to reach that growing uh, crowd. I don't know if you've 
if either of you have seen any new studies or anything about the percentage of cars that are on the road that have that yes. kind of easy capability, but it's growing every day, I know. Next year, next year they estimate that 50% of all new cars will be able to stream podcasts directly to the dash with no outside uh, mechanism. That means you won't have to have your iPod or your phone or MP3 player or anything connected to the dash. Sketcher will be right there. Wow, 50% that's pretty powerful. 50% of all new cars, that means they think that by like 2019, all cars will have it. So it's stunning. One in three Americans already listen to podcasts. And and the main one of the main sources is that they can do something else. And the thing I love about podcasting and uh, is that you can't spam people. You see, they have to choose to listen to it, period. Yeah. There's there's no other, you know, so if two minutes of a podcast means that person's actually choosing to listen to you. It, it's true. unbelievable. And it's, and it's, and it's really, it's right astounding. in your brain. It, it's, it's, uh-huh. you know, I listen to podcasts in my, it, on my iPhone with my earbuds. So it is right. I mean, your voice is in my head. It doesn't yeah. get much more intimate than that yeah. when it comes to content. Um, but I want to speak a minute to uh, what you said about written content being everywhere and and how podcasts and videos are, are kind of the up-and-coming thing. The problem is that Google doesn't listen to podcasts, and Google doesn't watch mm-hmm. video. So you still need that written component in order to uh, get the, the SEO love. And and I think that SEO, and I'm certainly not an expert, never pretended to be, but I think that SEO is is kind of dying as a as a method of traffic generation. And I think you guys mm-hmm. probably know better than better than I do. But I think yeah. more and more it's becoming about the relationship. But there still is that opportunity there to get some Google love and some Bing love, and to do that, you do need written content. Yeah. And you're well, saying also you the, scan. You know, so there are people that prefer to read and scan. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that uh, SEO nowadays is more about what people say about your content than what your content has in it in the first place, meaning that's an, the that's social engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so. Jack, if, repeat if, that if, again. Yeah, sorry, again, a call awesome. is coming through. <laughs> That's it, okay. I think oh. SEO is now more about what people are saying about the content and not what the content says itself. Wow. And Google is using that so that it can understand what's in something that it can't understand by itself. So uh, they own YouTube, and one of the ways that they understand what's in a video is they are doing voice recognition. They are. Uh, playing with that. It's not hyper-reliable right now. It's very, very beta stuff. So they can tell what's generally in a video, but they really rely on the hard data coming from comments, coming from the amount of time people view something, so that you know if the video is viewed most of the way through by most of the people, Google knows it's engaging for the reasons that the title and the description say that you know nobody's going to listen to a video all the way through if it's described as one thing and it's actually another. People get 
you know, mad and walk away. And, uh, and it also means the video is engaging. And then Google will pop down to the comments and look at all the comments for the keywords that people use in describing how they feel about the video. Wow, that was a great video, and I always wanted to you know, have that style of bicycle or whatever. I've always wanted to you know, do that hike. I've always wanted to see Paris. And if those words are descriptive in a cumulative uh, way across all of the comments toward the video, on, the, on that video, then there's a lot of SEO value in that that you don't have any need to put in there uh, yourself. And, but Google's been transcribing the videos on them by themselves and, or on their own. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that transcription takes place, that there's a button you can click on, and there is an edit function on that. So Google, this is where you'll find out how good they are at it. Sometimes they get things really wrong. It's, it's, uh, I heard just yesterday I read something that uh, perfect voice recognition is in the realm of science fiction. It's not something that we should even be expecting. It's working really good on OK Google on, on Samsung and, and uh, you know, Android phones and iOS, pretty good, pretty good. Everybody is generally happy with that. But when it comes to long stuff and multiple speakers and the quality of the recording and all the millions of other factors, when you take a look at your transcript of your last YouTube video, you'll see where Google is having problems, but you can edit that. So you can go in and t make sure that the transcript says the words that it needs to. It's Google's way of trying to figure those things out. But it, I think the biggest point is that you know, a lot of what your SEO is now is what people say about your last blog post on social, on Google+, when they share it around and they're, they're putting SEO in, in, in context with the, uh, the piece that they're talking about. And it really, really helps Google to understand stuff. So we've been able to slack off big time. We don't have long, lengthy discussions now about keyword density and all of that junk that we used to do because it's really not, it's immaterial. It's more work than you need to do than to just go out and get people engaged with your stuff, which is what you need to do anyway because that's where the customers are. And it's not, Google's not our customer. So just impressing them without actually engaging people is not actually a business model that anybody really wants. So yeah, I think that's a, a really big point. Uh, I'm going to have to brag about that in the show notes. Yeah, it, that's that's excellent. I I did not know that about. Um, I guess it makes sense about Google kind of scanning the comments and and uh, getting the 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 context of of your content that way. Um, I think that you know they scare me sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the artificial. Well, when you go on vacation, what, really what's the last time you went on vacation? Snapped a bunch of shots and came back and. Google had a nice little presentation, an eerily good presentation of your trip. Like it picked things out of, of your videos and stuff and made highlights out of the videos. I don't know how many people have seen that yet, but it is creepy. It's really kind yeah. of creepy. It's <laughs> it, it is very creepy. Um, Facebook is doing a really good job of that too, um, you know, with their retargeting. And sometimes I think they read my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I think a lot of people are amazed by that is that we have no clue. We don't have a running tally of all the things that we've shared with Facebook and all the things that we've shared with Google over time. And it surprises us. I mean, we're the ones who provided them with the information. And whether willingly or not, we still it's our information, it's our lives, it's our updates and pictures and everything else that we do. We've provided that information. And it's amazing, I think, to most people – 
what kind of a really accurate makeup or markup they can do of you, your likes, your interests, and everything else with the, with the least amount of data that, you know, even though we're pouring data into them, we're, get, we're making it really easy for them, algorithmically they can be very accurate with a tenth of what you've given them. And it's creepy then. It's like, how'd you know I like the Allman Brothers? Why am I yeah. seeing ads like that? I used to think that everybody on the Internet was seeing the same ads, like everybody else did, before we understood when targeting first started. I'm like, why would anybody else be interested in Government Mule? I mean, it's just one of the Almond Brothers, and he's one of the least, you know, he's not. Why would it, the whole world need to see that? And that's when I realized, oh, crap, they're targeting me. And I made a comment a week ago about how I went to the concert, and crap, that is creepy. And it's been that yeah. way ever since, and it's been getting a little bit more so every every month. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it, for somebody in, in my business, it's even odder because I do a lot of, or I used to do a lot of content writing around, um, you know, physical product sales and those things that I'm not the least bit interested in, but that I just happen to write about and research. Still follow me around on the Internet. I see the strangest ads on Facebook. And I, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote about that once. So, yeah, that's why yeah. I'm being stalked by, by this uh, odd little cigarette lighter contraption or whatever the case may be. Yeah, so, E. Yeah, Brian Rose know. came on yesterday and put up a picture, a screen capture. He said, this is what happened. This is a, the ad that showed to me after my daughter used my computer. And it was a, it was a, it was, it a, was mermaid, a mermaid tale. tale. Yes. Yeah, you saw it too? <laughs> that I saw it, yes. You can tell when your kids have used your computer because the ad targeting completely changes. <laughs> yeah, who needs parental controls? You can, yeah, you can really, tell what seriously. they've been looking at. Yeah. <laughs> I have a quick question, and this is kind of to both of you. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm a little behind the times, but I just now realized that places like AWeber and Constant Contact and some of those are making it much easier for you to send video emails. It's not actually sending the video. What it's doing is, you know, taking a picture of the video and sending a link, right? So, but it makes it real easy. Have you, either one of you, been noticing that that is more or less effective? Or are people using it more? You know, because we're talking about, um, you know, how people engage with you. And I think it depends a great deal that, on your market. Okay, and then um, I thought about the same thing with audio messages. Yeah, I, I think it depends on your market. I have a client who uses that type of email very effectively. Um, it doesn't work so well for me because my market's not into video. Her market is. So I, I think, as with anything, I mean, the the answer to any question is always it depends, right? So it depends yeah. on your market. Do they do they watch video? Do they prefer video or do they not? Do they prefer audio or do they prefer the written word? And you know, it's it's definitely worth testing. In Aweber and in many many other systems, you can split test emails, and I would definitely split test that to see which gets the better response. Gotcha. What about you, Jack? What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Splitting, and I think it's generally uh, where we're headed today is just slowing down enough, getting everybody to slow down enough. I, I, I meet a lot of people who are really super overwhelmed with all of the things that they have to do, 
And then when we get into the discussion of the particulars, what specifically do you think you're needing to do all the time? They're moving too fast, in my opinion. <laughs> they're just trying to create too much. They're trying to do too much. And they, if they, what I end up trying to help them with is getting them to slow down and go, look, you didn't even have time to split test this. You didn't give yourself the time to really properly market this thing over here. You didn't have... Um, you were just running on to the very next thing way, way too soon, way too fast. And it's trying. I, I think the web, with all of its choices, all of the ADD, you know, inducing stuff, all of the, its um, marketers are forgetting that we're part of the consumer base that uses the internet. Just as consumers, we're we're not just marketers. We're in it, and I think it, it gets people stirred up into a frantic frenzy. Not a regular user that has a job and just uses the internet. But somebody who's a marketer is really prone to, all right, I've got to go be a regular person over here now, or I'm just having fun on Facebook now, and, and then I notice something that I, else I can do to market. Ooh, that's really smart. I see a cool new ad. And they run and go investigate that, taking valuable time away from what they ought to have been finishing up on and not really getting it done. So the, the way I describe people in that situation, and I would, I would say it's the majority of people have some of this or a lot of this going on, is their business looks like something with a bunch of wires that don't lead to anything just sticking out of it. Lots of projects that are started that never really went to fruition, lots of things like split testing not being done, so not really then knowing how effective their stuff was. Was it video or was it audio that really got them? I don't know. I only did video. Or I did both, but I didn't split test it. I sent one out to one channel, one out to another, which is an incomplete and undone test. And and it's mainly because I think people are moving too fast. They're kind of buying, drinking the Kool-Aid of the internet being, you know, so big. It's not even a fire hose analogy. Doesn't even work anymore. It's not like drinking out of a fire hose. It's just it's a it's a whole universe of information and layers upon layers in most industries and in most interest groups and in most keywords and, and, and topics, many, 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 many layers of things to sort through of, of people talking about the same thing, the same exact topic. And so it's not even just a topic and we all go over here and talk about it. Everybody's got their own opinion, their own ideas. Some of them are talking about it on Pinterest and others are on podcasts and others are on their blog and just billions of things that are out there. I think people start to feel like they need to somehow keep up with that. And it's impossible to keep up with that and to measure your business against all the busyness of the Internet. And, and, and some people don't understand that the Internet is, is, you know, typically everybody's highlight reel. And we start to look at other business people and like, man, they really got it going on. They got this covered and that covered and everything else. And let me tell you, and, and man, you, you would know better than anybody how undone things are in the background, how chaotic things can be in the background when you're looking under the hood. Everything looks great on the outside, but, I mean, you know, I bet you were at one point surprised that somebody wanted you to work with them to help them at least one client that you thought they had it all together already. From the outside, it looked like, why would you need any help? You look like you've got it all together. Has that happened to you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and the the back end is just total chaos, and last minute, and no good intel, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even though they're making, and I'm thinking of a specific client here. You know, they're making excellent money, 
they're they're mm-hmm. in the the mid six figure range in their business, which is fabulous. But the back end is just so chaotic that it, it's nearly unmanageable. And I think you're absolutely yeah. right. The problem with that is what is often referred to as shiny object syndrome. Oh, YouTube. I got to get on YouTube. So we yep. do that for, you know, a week. And then something else comes along. Oh, podcasting. I got to start a podcast. And then YouTube is gone. Well, you haven't even given it the opportunity to prove itself. You haven't tested it. You don't know if it works. And you're already onto something else. So now you're not giving it the focus that it needs to really take off and, and gain some traction for you. Mm-hmm. Because you've you've now split your focus between two different things, and next week it'll be something else, and then your focus is split again. And when your focus is split that much, you cannot possibly uh, get the you know get the the traction and have the results that are possible with any one of these systems if you just pay attention to it. Well, that, what's funny about that is I love it when people do that to themselves, not realize that that's what they did not spend enough time in a certain area, and walk away from it giving other people advice that YouTube sucks or email marketing sucks or social media sucks. didn't work for me. And then a lot of other people are like, wow, okay, then I'm not going to do email or social or YouTube. But that's the absolute wrong conclusion to come to. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you really analyze what those people did, there's a million reasons why they might think it sucks. And 999,000 and 999 are going to be their fault, not the yeah. fault of the tool. The tool is just a tool. And uh, there's only like that really one weird extreme that would actually warrant a blog post, and then people read it and think that's the experience of everyone because they wrote a blog post about it. No, it was sensational, and that's what they wanted, so they'd get a lot of people to read it. It's not the feeling of the majority of people that YouTube lost something or that something happened with, you know, the email, uh, MailChimp banned them from mailing anymore or something like that. And that's not the experience of the majority. You have to remember that we're in the publishing business, and we will go for topics that we think people are going to read a lot about. So everything seems to be, you know, normal after a while, when it's all always sensational. When you look at the data and the percentage of people who actually have these problems or this has ever happened to, you calm right down and go, oh, well, that was that's never going to happen to me statistically. It's almost impossible for that to happen to me. But the articles and the videos and all of the stuff, we are all using that sensational uh, stuff from, you know, once in a while at least to get people to, you know, stand up and listen and, and really react to something and engage. So yeah. you have to be really, really careful with that stuff. Yes, you do, and the the people that are selling programs that teach you how to use these things are using that tactic as well. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're just as guilty of cherry picking um, the 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 good stats and the dollar figures to sell a program. And I'm not saying that any, you know, that that it wouldn't work, whatever the program might be. I'm I'm sure that it does work. But again, you have to focus and you have to give it your attention. You can't just there is no easy button, so you can't just, um, you know, plug and play and expect things to to work. You have to you have to work the system as well. Okay, Earlier in the show, have... we talked about. I think Jan was the one who asked you, uh, "What's new? What are the new cool things you want to do?" And you, you talked about YouTube cards, and um, but that was balanced out. If you go back and listen to the recording with, 
you know, what are your, we, I think we had a little bit of a discussion on what are your standard things, what are your things, and you talked about email and, and all of that stuff. So, but, but just to draw a point, we're soaking in this whole what's new world, and we even asked you that question on this show, so what's new, when there's so many billions of things behind us that we could have taken advantage of, that we have plans to take advantage of, that we're in the middle of taking uh, advantage of, that are incomplete. We don't, any of us, need anything new to do. There are really good, you know, tried and true methods that are still going workhorses like email and webinars and things like that that are going that, um, you know, only, it, it only really reaches its stretched out limit in the Internet marketing world where we test everything super hard and write it hard and put it up wet first. And then the Internet marketing community is the first one to become disillusioned with something. But you go immediately, just take one step to the left or right off of that Internet marketing trail into another industry, and they haven't heard anything about it. And all of the stuff that we reported in the early years or the early months of a certain tactic, they are, you know, all those really good stats, all those really good response rates, all that stuff, step aside and go into another industry, and you can have all of that again. And I think a lot of people are really happy about that when you know we hang out with internet marketers right and if you're in another industry if you still want to learn the cutting edge of something you go to the internet marketing world because these guys are testing everything all the time just constantly testing stuff and breaking things you know for your pleasure and your entertainment and your uh, knowledge just to you know stretch the limits and see what's possible and then people are like they take that jaded thing that comes in the internet marketing world first before anything else and they're like oh, this probably won't work anywhere else. And you could be 99% of the time you'd be wrong that it hasn't been seen outside the Internet marketing circles enough or at all to say that this probably won't work out where I work in my industry. Yeah, I think most, well, I think most programs are, are translatable to pretty much any industry. Marketing is, you know, marketing is, is universal. It's funny, I just saw um, somebody on Facebook um, one of the one of the copywriters that I follow said something about how people go to school to earn a bachelor's or a master's degree in marketing and they go get an entry-level job in corporate America and don't know anything about actual marketing, and then they come to the Internet marketers to learn how it really works. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. Just, just as you just said, it is, it's absolutely true. What's going on online in kind of these you know dark corners of the Internet is – is what really works, and it is absolutely translatable to other business models as well. And I just want to do a little bit of a shameless plug here because, you know, one thing I really love working with Jack and Gina, and as you'll be on call and Gina will whip out some kind of mega stat thing that no one can understand, but she can. And she will dig down into it, and they really do test all the stuff. There's not the shiny object syndrome, you know, bouncing around. Um, it's like, here's our one program that we use, and we want everybody to use it because that's what works. Um, and I think that that's one reason why their people are successful is because the goal there is to help you grow your business using your strengths. And that's going to be and different because we've had this whole conversation about your market, your strengths, your industry, you know, your group. And, you know, I find that that's kind of a rare thing to find. 
you know, somebody that will help you not only just find out how to market your stuff, but how do you, you know, get through this huge maze of stuff uh, online, you know, ways to distribute it, test it, sell it, make it. Yeah, it comes back to the overwhelm that Jack spoke about at the mm-hmm. at the beginning of the call, that that there's just so much out there that it is it can be really difficult to decide, you know, what what's going to work and what what are we going to try and how much time and energy are we going to give it and what's our expected return and did we achieve the results that we wanted and when is it time to move on to something else? And also, it's really difficult know, for people, people to determine. Right, they have yeah. to ma- be able to maintain it, or pay, or make enough money to pay someone to maintain it. So that's, I think, that's really where the real rub is for most people. Um, and so I think that's when it gets really important to have people on your team, like Cindy on the back end, that you can trust <laughs> to help with things, as well as to have mentors like Jack and Gina that can actually keep you centered on the right track, which is, are you, like Jack was saying, are you following through with the system and giving it a chance? Are you moving too fast mm-hmm. between the things, you know? And, um, well, it's and, about, and it's I, about making choices, you know, yeah. and being able to make reliable choices and that you're confident in enough that you can choose and not lay awake at night wondering if you made the right choice. And so it, before you pick out your tools, before you pick out your team, before you do anything, ideally this would be the time to, you know, do what we call our, our vortex model. What, what is your why? Why are you here? What is your main goal? Who are the people you really want to help, and how do you want to best do that? And so if you have a plan that really backs up every decision, now that we've made it very plain that and everybody knew that before they got on the show today, that there are a billion choices out there. You can do all kinds of things, but you need to be, your primary job is a person who can make confident choices and make them quickly and make them all the time. Because everybody's going to, you, you'll get on another show and somebody will say, well, uh, my favorite tools are the exact opposite of what Cindy and Jack were talking about. I like these tools. And they'll put a case study together and, see, and show you the stats and they're doing really good with it. And then you're sitting there going, well, now I listen to this one, and then I listen to that one. And if you don't know your why, if you don't know, you know, th- that that there's some kind of a decision-making process that you can you can put into place, then you don't know where to go, and you're lost, and you're spinning your wheels, and you start going onto forums and complaining, I just don't know what to do. Which we think is really funny when we go back to the Warrior Forum days back in 1998, 99, 2000, we had a forum. And we had AOL, <laughs> and we had – that was it. That was it. We had a forum and, and nothing else, and we had to take checks. We had to put up web pages that gave our physical addresses for people to send checks in. And then that would have to wait a week or however long it took, and then you would set somebody – you'd send them their e-book. <laughs> so we think it's kind of funny sometimes when people are like, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to drive traffic. I'm like – it's not a problem with tools or resources. It's a problem of making choices. Yeah, that is that, I hate to do this, guys, but we have less than 60 seconds left. No. All right, well, then I'm going to do some native advertising and say everybody needs to go see Cindy, uh, learn more about what she can do for your business at digitalbusinessmanagers.com. 
get over there and check her out. You obviously now know, if you've listened to this, that she knows her stuff, and she would be a great guide for you through all of these things and helping you do things that you shouldn't be doing probably yourself. So, Cindy, thank you so much for being on today. Sorry we just abruptly ended like that. I was not watching the time. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. The time just flew past. <laughs> it did. Thanks so much, Over to you, I didn't Davey even want to jump in because you guys were on such a roll. I didn't want to cut the energy. <laughs> hey, tell everybody well, about the upcoming uh, webinar. Uh, I'm sorry? I'm, I'm sorry. Jack and Gina, uh, tell oh, everybody okay. about the upcoming seminar this week. On Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, May 18th, we are doing a one-day leverage masterclass. It is specifically geared for coaches and consultants. It's really not meant for someone who's brand new in business. It's an unusual training for us at DU because most of our stuff is really geared toward people new in business. This is really for someone who's already in business that is really in a place of being stuck and overwhelmed and just have so much on their plate that they don't know how to get their life back and take their business to the next level. You'll find all the details at joindu.com forward slash L for leverage, W for workshop. Hope you can join us. Thanks, Jan. And thank yeah, you, it Cindy. It like perfect fit to this call. It did. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.